Hi, this is Karin Zissis of ASUA Online. Roman Gressier was faced with a predicament. What do you do when you're in El Salvador and you're convinced the government is spying on you with Pegasus, a software from Israel? For Gressier, the answer was to go to U.S. court in California. The journalist and his colleagues at the Salvadorian news outlet El Faro are part of a groundbreaking lawsuit against NSO Group, the company that makes Pegasus. On one hand, we're asking for the federal court to order NSO Group to no longer use its services in El Salvador. And we're also asking them to order the company to reveal its client in El Salvador. That was Gressier. And the mystery client he's speaking about? Well, he and his colleagues believe it's the Salvadorian government, which they say uses Pegasus and other software to spy on its citizens. El Faro's lawsuit represents an important milestone in seeking more oversight and accountability for the use of spyware tools. Pegasus is probably the most advanced piece of spyware ever developed. The governments that use Pegasus, from Saudi Arabia to Mexico to India, all say they're out to stop security threats. But it's also used against civil society, including... From the Middle East to Mexico and across Latin America, there's been an alarming proliferation of surveillance tools worldwide, which has a chilling effect on civil society and press freedoms alike. Can El Faro's lawsuit stop the use of spyware in El Salvador? And what precedent might it set for surveillance worldwide? My colleague Chase Harrison sat down with Roman Gracier of El Faro to discuss his experience, the lawsuit, and his grim predictions for a future where we may have to learn to live with spyware. You're listening to Latin America in Focus. Latino America in Foco. America Latina in Foco. A podcast by America Society, Council of the Americas on politics, economics, and culture in the region. Roman, thanks for joining us on the Latin America in Focus podcast. Thanks for having me. So you're part of more than a dozen journalists affiliated with the Salvadoran newspaper El Faro, who are suing NSO Group who puts out this spying software named Pegasus in a United States federal court. And before we talk about the specifics of that court case, I thought we'd begin by learning more about your experience with the Pegasus spyware. Can you tell me the story of how you came to realize that you were being affected by the Pegasus spyware and what that experience was like? Sure. I would say that my experience with uh, Pegasus, it's not something that I, you know, I didn't, I didn't like shake its hand or anything. I didn't physically see it, but um, I, I learned that I had been infected with it four times in uh, late 2021 when basically every staff member at El Faro who had an iPhone, because at least at that time, only iPhones were offering the tools to detect Pegasus. And I came back with four hits or four dates in specific when I was infected. And they were from May and June of that year, 2021. And they corresponded with like really concrete moments in time. 
the first two happened in May while I was working on a variety of investigations uh, in El Salvador, but more importantly, I was applying for my work permit. Um, so I was preparing to ask the government for residency and I was going through all of the lovely loops and hurdles and, and that that entails. And um, uh, the third incident, for example, I had gone to the National Civil Police of El Salvador that very day to ask for a, basically a background check. And that same day um, was one of the ones that came back as positive for Pegasus on my iPhone. In those dates, in, uh, between the four incidents, there were two in, two in May, two in June, I was definitely under the impression I was being physically surveilled. Uh, and so the, I was not surprised, you could say, to learn when we got the data points of, of the Pegasus attacks that, that I was also being targeted in, in those other ways. Yeah. And while you and your colleagues are having these experiences of, of feeling like you're being surveilled, you're also undergoing these investigations in El Salvador, digging into corruption, abuses, all of this. Was there a moment where it was affirmed to you that in fact, you and your colleagues' phones were being surveilled? Well, I would, I would just say that there were 22 of us who, um, who ended up testing positive for Pegasus in different moments of time between 2020 and 2021. And it was very extensive and it aligned with an uncanny precision with our investigative work, with major political uh, events in El Salvador and major government attacks. Like Bukele essentially in a, in a live broadcast accused the newsroom of laundering money. He said, we were under investigation for serious money laundering. You know, there are many, many examples, but it, all of the the data points, we actually mapped them out and they painted a very vibrant and incisive picture that lined up with those three axes. Wow, that is harrowing to hear about. So your newsroom comes to realize that you're being surveilled. There's all these data points that are matching up. Why then the decision to take this to United States court? Now, what were some of the other avenues you considered for rectifying this situation and putting a spotlight on what the spyware was doing. The authorities in El Salvador have not shown any signs uh, of moving forward with uh, an, an investigation into, into the attacks. And so we, uh, in our view, determined that we had exhausted legal recourse, which is you know, uh, a big question in, in any like international legal context. Well, did you go to the court? Did you, did you, did you go through the legal hoops uh, to try to resolve this in your own country before seeking elsewhere. And we're convinced that um, there are no legal avenues right now in a judiciary that's been co-opted by uh, the Bukele administration to to seek that uh, recourse. And on the other hand, uh, there are some really important like legal questions, uh, you know, particularly relating to the use of U.S. technologies, because it, we were hacked using U.S. Uh, platforms, vulnerabilities of U.S. platforms and services. And those are questions that obviously interest U.S. courts because there are multiple cases against NSO Group in U.S. court right now uh, mm. in, in the same district where we filed in Northern California. So the case is based in California, and you just noted that some of the technology, like Apple, is California-based. You're in El Salvador. NSO Group is an Israeli company. Who is supposed to be regulating these international spyware software companies? Who is supposed to be setting the rules and the strictures for how this is to be used? Did El Salvador, for example, have laws around its usage? Um, no, they, they certainly didn't um, at, at the time. Uh, subsequently, within 
just weeks of us denouncing the Pegasus attacks against us and others, the uh, Salvadoran legislature, which is two-thirds controlled by Bukele's party, approved um, a new uh, law, which the Salvadoran Journalists Association equated to the legalization of, uh, of spyware. And so there was that big move that happened um, immediately after uh, we had filed. But in the international context, no, there, there is not, um, there's not substantial regulation of the use of NSO spyware or the whole web of related spyware firms. What there are are winks and promises from the companies. For example, they say that, well, we don't sell to governments that the U.S. government doesn't do business with, right? But in that gray area, you know, there's a lot of room for human rights abuses, uh, as seen in the case of El Salvador, as seen in the case of Honduras. Um, in 2017, there was evidence of Pegasus use in Honduras, according to Citizen Lab, um, and in Mexico and other major players in the region. Taking NSO Group as perhaps the biggest, the heavyweight competitor in the spyware, in the international spyware ring, you could say that there is no substantial regulation on, on their usage, but they do need approval from the Israeli Ministry of Defense uh, prior to sales of Pegasus, for example. So a lot of what this is coming down to is companies like NSO Group self-regulating and making these promises and saying that they're going to adhere to it. So if, if that's the case, what is the exact provision that you are arguing in a U.S. federal court was violated in the case of the use of Pegasus for El Faro? Well, we filed the case using the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, but we're asking for an injunction on one hand. We're asking for the federal court to order uh, NSO Group to no longer use its services in El Salvador. And we're also asking them to order the company to reveal its client in El Salvador. Mm. And reveal its client, meaning figure out whether or not it was the government itself that ordered these attacks. Why specifically does that matter in this case beyond the specter of a government spying on its citizens? Well, on one hand, there's a complete lack of accountability for these attacks. And we want to know which government agency. We're personally convinced in, in, in our opinion that it was the government of El Salvador. But we also want that hard evidence. We want the accountability. And we're asking the court to force the company to cough that up. Hmm. Your case is one of a growing landscape of legal challenges we're seeing to Pegasus specifically and spyware more generally across the world. And we're seeing private companies like Google and Meta who own WhatsApp, um, sue and challenge NSO Group. We're also seeing the US and the European government investigate NSO Group. How does your case fit into this larger landscape? Well, I think one of the areas is, is very concrete. It's in the case of El Salvador in particular. Mm -hmm. And for those abuses in particular, which in and of themselves are, are worthy of litigation. But also there are important questions. Because if foreign nationals can sue NSO group in US court, then that establishes an important precedent. Um, and then also, um, at least in my case, and, and to the knowledge of my attorneys, um, I'm the first US citizen to sue the company for abuse against my own phone. And so that could have interesting um, legal implications or um, other political or other implications based on the company's promise that it wouldn't use the technology in, in the US. But then the question becomes, well, is part of that tacitly an understanding that they won't use, use it against US citizens? 
in the case that you're victorious, would something immediately shift beyond perhaps knowing who ordered these spyware attacks? Or are you hoping that this will be impetus for the United States to take more action and use its leverage worldwide to stop the use of these spyware technologies? Well, I think that beyond like the US government wielding its power to coerce governments into not using this, I think it's the federal court that would that would order the company to to do that. And and that's a pretty compelling legal incentive because if they don't, then they can definitely run into significant legal problems in the United States where they, they rely on those technologies and, and that market to do their business around the world. This court case targets Pegasus spyware software, but there's an increasingly large mosaic of spyware software being seen used in El Salvador and across Central America. How does Pegasus relate to this grander arsenal of tools that actors are using in the region? Well, Pegasus is just the heavyweight in the spyware, uh, mercenary spyware ring around the world. And governments with a vested interest in, in spying on their citizens do acquire Pegasus, but they also do acquire much cheaper surveillance tools. Think about it this way. If you want to follow somebody and build a map of their life and who they talk to, you just put plainclothes cops on them for several months. They just follow you around all day. And if they're doing their job well, you won't even see them. If you do see them, as one expert told me, then it's actually harassment. They're trying to get in your face and intimidate you. That's the run-of-the-mill method of surveillance. And I think that is that forms the basis for understanding all of these other higher-tech technologies. There's also um, like neighbor surveillance, where neighbors inform on each other in different countries around the region. And the next layer would not be Pegasus. It would be an array of tools that scrape information from social media, that create profiles based on the on the dark web, that very crudely tap into your phone. Not in the same way that Pegasus does, where you essentially have an unlocked phone in your hand, but where you can just listen to calls. They don't need to acquire multi-million dollar tools to do the majority of their work. Though I also think that it's true that it's that Pegasus is like a shiny toy and many governments are tempted by it because of its broad promises, because of its promise, for example, that it will give you free reign to dig into somebody's iPhone, extracting whatever information you want, as many digital experts have, have described it to me. Oftentimes in the press, Pegasus is simply like summed up as, well, they just get access to your, to your messages and calls. But it's much more than that. It's like they have an unlocked phone in, in their hand, and then they can extract any information they want. But that also allows them to get into encrypted messaging apps. But the point is that they don't need that tool to do the vast majority of their work mm. if they're trying to follow journalists, dissidents, political opposition members, you name it, any, any subject of interest. And that includes drug traffickers. That includes uh, gang members. That includes in an array of people across society. Right. They're trying to create a culture of paranoia, a culture of repression, um, where the combination of these tools makes all sorts of forms of dissident activity or different citizen activities feel too dangerous to engage in. Well, I think that that culture already exists in many Central American contexts because the region came out of very repressive uh, civil wars that 
engaged in these tactics frequently. For example, in Guatemala, there was a systematic dismantling of civil society during the armed conflict. And those methods of surveillance that then take a new modern cutting edge form in the shape of Pegasus are very deeply ingrained in the security apparatuses in these countries. So they don't need to instill a culture of intimidation or paranoia because uh, to a certain extent in certain circles, it already exists. Hmm. So what happens if this goes unchecked? Are we going to see just a proliferation of this spyware across the region? Are there other aspects of repression that this could be intersecting in, in really dangerous ways? What are your big concerns? Well, I think that this is something that we can't stop. I think that there is a very strong market for these technologies uh, of governments and other actors who will pay top dollar or bottom dollar or whatever dollar it costs them to get their hands on it. And that will continue to happen. So Focusing, for example, on NSO Group's Pegasus software, it ends up being kind of myopic because at the end of the day, people from Pegasus or from NSO Group, you know, they go on to found parallel companies that then NSO Group contracts to surveil on other people. So it just becomes a big impossible web. I mean, you, you can't stop that inertia and that market incentive for these types of tools. But what you can do is establish uh, legal frameworks to prevent them from unleashing them on civil society. What about domestic governments? I don't think we've seen much indication that there's any interest in that currently. Um, In the cases of El Salvador, Guatemala, um, Nicaragua, the government in Honduras, as my colleague Anna Cad Brigida has reported just recently in CODA, uh, was very invested in these types of spyware abuses as a way of monitoring other actors in in the drug trade. Keep in mind that the former president who was at the head of this is now on trial in Brooklyn for drug trafficking related charges. And so we'll have to see how the new administration in Honduras decides to behave with these tools. But at least in the other three governments that I mentioned, I think there's very little indication that they have any interest in, in self-regulating or or reining themselves in. Roman, the picture you've painted of the use of spyware in the region is frightening to say the least. Uh, and it seems like it's headed in an increasingly nefarious direction. Is there anything that makes you optimistic for the ability to constrain the use of these tools? <laughs> uh, what can I tell you, Chase? I think that <laughs> The industry will continue to proliferate, but my hope is that regardless of that, my colleagues and I and others who are exposed, we can develop better strategies to navigate in that environment. Because my my suspicion is that things as we see them now will continue to get rougher in the coming years. And I don't know if I can hold my finger up to something that in particular that gives me hope in this context. I just think that it's it comes with uh, the territory that we're working in. And it's something that we need to better reckon with as an industry in journalism and also in, in civil society. I think that also in the US, people need to ask themselves what could happen with a very authoritarian government in place in the United States with police and intelligence agencies uh, who have engaged in similar abuses 
And have you been tested, Pegasus? People in the U.S. need to be asking themselves these questions too. How this could affect uh, not only me, but us in like a more global context. Roman, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Karin Zissis. This episode was produced by Luisa Lemme. The music in this episode was Epilogo para Jasmine by Monique Fernandez, performed as a part of America Society's En Casa series. Check the podcast notes for links to watch the full video. Find out about upcoming concerts at musicoftheamericas.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can help us spread the word. Write us a review, give us five stars, or subscribe at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh.